Father, tonight we thank you for your word. Thank you that the one thing that we can count on is your word. Thank you, Father, that you say what you mean and you mean what you say, and that we have the privilege tonight to look in to your word. I ask you to speak to us by revelation. Lord, may we understand that it's not it's not me we've come to listen to, it's you we've come to listen to. And Holy Spirit, I pray you say what you need to say to each one of us as we look at this tonight. God, we give you praise and honor. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 <clears throat> well, we know this, there's a fight going on. And we talked about last week that it's our fight. We, are, we have a part of that fight. I mean, there's a fight going on for what you believe. I mean, the culture today is wanting you to not believe what you believe. There's a fight for your family. There's a fight for our grandkids, as we've, as we've already heard tonight. There's a fight for our nation. And it, it, it's, it's, it's not one that we fight in the physical, but it's a fight that we must fight in the spiritual. It's, it's not against flesh and blood. We've got to take the fight to the spiritual evil that is intent on taking God, His Word, and Christianity out of our culture altogether. Because they do not want us to be a part of it. They don't want our voices to be heard. They want us to be silenced. Here's the reality. We cannot be neutral. The church must not be neutral in the culture war. We can't be neutral. Many churches and pastors refuse to acknowledge that there's even a fight. Mainly because they don't know there's a fight. Others attempt to remain neutral in the name of what they call inclusivity what we call wokeness. Many churches and pastors think it's wrong to challenge the ideas of the cancel culture. And so they're afraid to speak up. What that means is they've already been canceled. They've already given in to that, that cancel culture. And there are those, preachers avoid subjects because they don't want to seem to be politically microaggressional toward those who might get their feelings hurt over the microaggressions that have been spoken about. And so they think they shouldn't talk about politics in church. Used to, I mean, that's the way a lot of people think. Can I tell you something? The way it is right now, it's no longer about politics. It's about evil. Evil. That's not politics. And the church should stand and speak against evil. That's what we do. We find the scripture, we teach the word, and we must stand against evil. It's not about politics. They want, they, we have been programmed for so long to stay silent because we've been taught that to go along, to get along, is the Christian thing to do. And because we're Christians, we just have to be nice and take whatever they do. And we've already heard about the public school system. I mean, uh, you know, Horace Mann and, and what, what's his name? And, and Dewey a long time ago had a plan. They were socialists and they knew that if they could get socialism taught to the children in America, that it would change the fabric of this nation. And they have done a good job. They're dead. But they had a vision that was beyond their life. And they knew that they could change it by, by the public school system if they would do it right. It's been going on for a long time. And the church has remained silent. We've allowed uh, uh, legislatures and, 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 and different ones to just pilfer from, from, from our society. 
I mean, we, they did take prayer out of school in 1963. Who would have thought that one lady with a lawsuit could have single-handedly taken God out of the public school, even though he was well on the way out by that time because of the thoughts of public school people and, and, and because of the socialism that had already infiltrated? Who would have thought that, 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 that one lady who ignorantly sued could, could have legalized abortion for a whole nation? And late, later changed her mind and realized it was the wrong choice. And that she, while she was on the winning side, it was the losing side for all those children. Who would have thought that? See, we, we, it's been taken a little at a time. And pretty much the church has said nothing because we're just nice people. And we just don't want to make anybody mad. And we don't want politics in church. And now it's become evil that wants to, not just, not just to take away our right to speak about politics in church, but to take away our right to speak about God in church because they want to silence the voice. Jesus, well, we just need to get along and be nice. Here's what Jesus said in Luke 21, 51. Suppose ye that I've come to give peace on earth? No. He <laughs> said, so I tell you no, but rather division. There should be a difference. There should be something. And Jesus listed some people who would be against, be, be against other people. But he said, I didn't come so you could be nice. You see, there, there needs to be a change. Acts 4, verses 19 and 20 says, But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than to God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard. You see, they were trying to cancel the gospel. The people that they wanted to cancel them, they wanted to shut them up. But they, Peter and John, could not accept this irrational cancelization of the preaching of the gospel. And they defied them. And they continue to do what they were supposed to do. If we get neutral, it will allow those in opposition to control everything we say and do. It will, they'll, they'll control the church. They'll control the services. Pastors will be forced to submit outlines before they can preach them, and they'll have to not deviate a little bit from them. I mean, that's what they, 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 they want. They want to control it. And as we've already said, whoever controls the conversation wins. If they can control what we say, control what we do, we need to understand it's not really about politics. It's about evil. For the church to remain silent it endangers the very people they're trying to please. You know, well, you know, we just don't want to hurt their feelings. Because you realize that in churches in America, there are a lot of, a lot of woke Christians that are out there. They're not awakened, they're woke. And they're attending churches, and the pastors don't want to offend them. But we must become more concerned about their souls than their feelings more concerned about their relationship with God than their membership and their money. I mean, the absence of the word preaching in this nation is perpetuating and creating congregations of biblically illiterate Christians who have very little, almost no hope of withstanding the attack of the enemy when he comes against their personal lives, much less their nation. They don't know what to do. They don't even know there's supposed to be a fight. Ultimately, what happens to those people? Well, they give up on God, they give up on the church, they give up on everything because it's not going the way they think it ought to go, and it's all about me anyway. They don't know Scripture to stand on. They don't even know how to fight the devil, have no concept of it. Here's what I believe. You and I, because we're in this room tonight, 
were born for such a time as this. It's not an accident that we're in this nation right now. We've got to take our stand on the spiritual line and speak in the spirit and speak in the natural the truth from the Word of God. I'm not talking about being mean to people. I'm not talking about pigeonholing them. I'm not talking about picking fights with them. I'm talking about taking a stand for what is right. Taking a stand, not being afraid of them. I mean, if we don't, we're going to submit to this woke, canceled culture of these God-hating Marxists that want to take over our land. It's up to, the word needs to be in us. The scripture says, his word is truth. We must be people who speak truth. We've got to take the word. We have a voice in the heavenlies and we have a voice before our heavenly father. We need to be people who speak the truth. We must not cower to the devil or whoever the devil uses in this world to cancel the truth of God's word. Here's what the Bible says. You know this verse in, out of Esther. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, in other words, if you don't speak up, if you don't talk, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will be destroyed. And who knows whether or not thou art coming to the kingdom for such a time as this. It's important that we not be afraid. We don't need to be afraid. We need, this ought to be a time when we as Christians are excited to rise up and be what God has called us to be. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, 38, it says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, that means destruction or ruin, but of them who believe to the saving of the soul. We, the Bible says, that we live by faith. It is a fight of faith. We live by faith. We don't live by sight. We live by faith. The first main action of faith, because faith that works is dead, is to say what God said. We live by faith. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for faithful is he that promised. We've got to hold on to what God said. We've got to stay true to what God says. And then the scripture says in 1 Timothy 6, 12, we've been reading this each week, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Twice in the first half sentence, it says to fight. We ought to be fighting. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. We've, we've got to fight. It'd be great if we could just, just pray well, prayers should be fight. Should be, we should be, we don't, we're not fighting when we pray. We're petitioning God. But wouldn't it be great if we could just all hide until we go to heaven? <laughs> wouldn't it be great? Okay, Jesus, I'm this age now, and I'm just I'm done. No, no, you're not done until you're done. You're not done until you go see Him. Then you can be done. But we have something to do. There's a fight to fight. And until we die in our physical body, we need to be fighting. Or until, this will be perfect, Jesus comes back and takes us in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. But we've we got to know that. Most Christians in the United States have never really engaged in a fight of faith in the spirit realm. Most don't even know it's a thing. Have no idea except that onward Christian soldiers... <laughs> And they've heard that song. I guess it depends what denomination you are. 
I mean, the, the verse talks about fighting. Don't you think we ought to be fighting? I mean, it's mentioned twice. It says it's a good fight. That means we're going to win. It's a good fight of faith. And confession is a big part of that. Man talks about Jesus' confession before Pilate. And when he got there, he just said, I'm a king, and you don't even know it. I'm here about the truth. And he, you know, he wasn't even afraid of them. We need to recognize we must remain in this place of confident fighting and faith because when we lose our faith, we lose the fight. We've got we to hang on. We've got to watch all these conjuring up spiritual warfare that's not scriptural and pretend we're fighting something. We've got to fight the way the Bible says to fight, and that's the way we fight the fight of faith. So that's what we're talking about. The Apostle Paul, we've read this each week also. He said, For I'm ready now to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. We have the obligation to fight the fight the whole time we're here. Until the time of our departure, until they tell us to load up and go, we are fighting the fight of faith. I was in Dallas two nights ago, and we thought our time of departure was at hand, and we were there for three more hours. And so <laughs> it could be that God gives you a time of departure. To, okay, wait, but we're going to delay your flight just a little longer so you can finish the job that I put you there to do. So, well, there is a fight of faith to fight. We've got to fight it. We run our race. We do what we're supposed to do. We do it the very best we can. And then we're just going to blow this popsicle stand and spend eternity in heaven. And that is going to be wonderful. I'm excited about it, more excited than I ever was before when I was young because I thought, you know, it was a long way off. I realize it's hopefully still a long ways off because I'm going to live long and strong. But I recognize that heaven is for us. And we don't need to be afraid to die. But we don't need to be afraid to live either. We need to make sure that... I, mean, I was thinking about heaven just the other day. This is not my, my sermon. I was thinking about all the relatives that I'm going to get to meet in heaven that I've never met before. I mean, just think about that. I know that somewhere, you know, when you're raised, raised white trash, it's hard to know exactly how many Christians you had in your family. <laughs> but I know my great-grandmother. Man, she loved Jesus like nobody I've ever met before. In the Church of Christ. I don't know if I've ever told you this story or not, but she loved Jesus so much. She would sit in her rocker and she babysat us and she would, she would start humming tunes, you know. And then she would, start, she would start singing, not in English though. She didn't even know what she was doing. She thought she was humming. I mean, that lady was singing in the spirit. I mean, she, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you ask her, now Granny, you praying in tongues, she would have just rebuked you right there. But she loved Jesus. And I know I'm going to see her there. And I know I'm going to see my mom there. There are a lot of people I'll see. But then I have these relatives I've never met before that were before them. Won't that be fun? And just think, you have eternity. And then I'll get to meet people like Paul. Get to meet people like King David. Wouldn't it be fun? It's going to be great just to meet those people. That's not my, that's not my best sermon. But I'm just thinking, that's going to be a great time. But for right now, though, we're on the front lines. <laughs> The Bible says we're to endure as a good soldier. The good soldier doesn't give up and talk bad. He marches and does what he's supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to do. We've got to finish. And when we're finished, then we can quit. But we're going to fight until we finish. We've got to keep up the faith. I mean, man, this has been, for me, this has been an, an important series because we need to learn how to fight. We need to know there's more to do than just to sit around on the couch eating grapes and watching TV. We have a fight to fight. And we read this verse last week. 
The apostle said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. We don't want to just beat the air. We don't want to run and not arrive anyplace. We want to do something we know we're supposed to do. It's possible. And much of what's called Christian warfare is fighting and not hitting anything. It's just shadow boxing. We don't want to just shadow box. Truly, you can shadow box and you can feel like you've done something. And if somebody wants to demonstrate, we'll show you how it works. You just stand up and start swinging at the air and you do it long enough, you get tired. And you can even sweat. You can, you can get out of breath. I mean, you, but, but we need to lo- know how to fight and how to land some punches is what we want to do. We want it to be right. I mean, we got to know how to fight. We can become very effective in this spiritual warfare if we just learn how to fight. Turn loose of the pet experiences and practices of the past that have no, scrap, no scripture. What does God say and how do we fight this fight of faith? All right. Let me read you this passage. I think we've read this so far. The Apostle Peter said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We have an adversary. If we have an adversary, that means we have a fight. Right? Because you, if you've got an enemy, you've got to fight. The enemy is the devil. He has his army. They are our enemies. They are out to get us. So how can they do that? Well, we know this. We must be sober. We must be vigilant. That simply means we must be on the watch. We must be aware. I'm not trying to scare you. You don't need to be scared. Why must we be on the watch? Here's the bad news of this message. They are coming. They are trying to get to you. They're trying to get you to give up on truth. They're trying to stop you. So since they're coming to attack us, we must be prepared to resist, to withstand, to fight. Amen. If you know they're coming and you don't do anything to prepare, you're a fool. But you're not fools in this room. We know it. We're going to prepare. Most people don't want to even think about this. Man, most of us, we, we, I don't want to think about that. No, we must be vigilant so we don't give the enemy a spot or a place. The scripture says to give no place to the enemy. You've got to be ready about it. There are, he says there, he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. There are some he may not devour. Because he can't devour just anybody. There are some he can't get to, but we must be watching so that he doesn't devour us. The word devour means to slurp up the juices. So we must fight. It tells us the next verse. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Resist steadfast in the faith. We've already read. It's a fight of faith. He's talking about fighting the fight of faith. We resist steadfast in the faith. It's a fight. We all go through this fight of faith. But here's the good news. We can resist because if we resist him, he will flee from us if we understand how to make it work. If we understand what we're fighting and who we're fighting. 
we are to resist. How, what is it we resist? How, how do we, what do we resist? Who does, who does he devour and how does he do it? Let's ask, answer those questions. You can't resist him by just making stuff up, by the way. I mean, it'd be great if I could just resist him, make some stuff up, and King's X him, and he has to go away. Wouldn't that be awesome if you could just say, King's X, this is base, you can't touch me. He doesn't fight that way. We must know how to resist him. Here we go. We read this last week, too. We're going to talk a little bit more about this again. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Sweating is flesh. Yelling at the devil is flesh. Come out, you foul spirit! <laughs> flesh. Flesh. Now, if it works, it's okay, but you've got to have something behind the, all the theatrics. It's just as easy to say, I command you in Jesus' name, come out of him. Doesn't have to be flesh. Doesn't have to have any flesh. Yelling and screaming is flesh. The show is flesh. The war is not flesh. We walk in the flesh, but we do not war after the flesh. It's not a flesh war. It's a faith war. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. There is no period after the word strongholds. That's not the end of the sentence. The weapons are not carnal. They're not physical. It's not a physical conflict. Going to Washington, D.C., bursting into the White House with a gun and shooting the president is not spiritual warfare. It's flesh. It's carnal. The weapons are carnal. The weapons that we have are real. They're not imaginary. They're real and they are mighty. To not use the weapons is to lose the fight. We must understand that. He says, pulling down of strongholds. And then he defines them as, as we go to the very next verse. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Those would be lies things that, that contradict the word, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, what's the purpose of the weapons? Well, we just read it. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, casting it down and bringing into captivity every thought. The strongholds are imaginations and thoughts and lies. Those are the strongholds. Those lead to beliefs that will allow people to be swallowed up. The strong. We must be vigilant and sober about what we think and what we imagine. That's what he's talking about. The devil is subtle. That's what the Bible tells us. He's subtle. His favorite tactic is to make you not even know that he's doing anything to you. His favorite one is to make you think it's you. 
that make you think it's your thought. Maybe he wants you to think it's your thought to say, I'm just going to rear back and slap him right now. It's not a flesh fight, but he wants you to think that it's all you. It's all you. I mean, that's his favorite one, but we got to watch out for it. It says that we are to take captive every thought. Now, you have to be vigilant to take captive every thought. Am I right? Because if you watch your thoughts, two things are going to happen. You've got to think about what you're thinking, and you will change what you say. And you'll no longer prophesy yourself into depression or all the things that can happen to you. Every thought. We've not taken that very seriously. I talked about thoughts some time ago, and I talked about how that we need to have a bouncer at the door. Because we went, some of you weren't here then, but we went to this place in New York, and we were looking for this place, restaurant. We are looking all over for it, and a big guy was standing in front of a door. Big guy. And I looked around behind him, and the name of the restaurant was small on the door. And he said, can I help you? I said, Yes, we'd, we'd like to come in. And he goes, he looks us up and down. I guess we looked like we had some money. So he, he said, how many? I said, there's six. He goes, just a moment. He went in, came back and said, I happen to have a table for six people. Well, we weren't getting in if he didn't let us in. I tell you, most people need to have a bouncer at the door of their thoughts. You need to have someone that says, oh, wait, 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 that's not true. Amen. You're not coming in. You know, that thought, everybody hates me. That cannot be true. Everybody doesn't know you. There's no way that everybody can hate you. <laughs> Even everybody that knows you can't hate you. It just can't be true. Is it honest? You gotta ask the question. You gotta have a bouncer at the door. He looked look at the people. Not honest. You're not coming in. Your name isn't on the list. We need to have a bouncer at the door. We need to find out. See, true spiritual warfare is resisting that stuff, standing against that stuff. The whole armor is built so you can resist and withstand all those darts that are coming, all those thoughts. So we've got to take into captivity every thought. Basically, if you're not dealing with this, you're not fighting anything. You're hitting the air. Why are Christians defeated? Because they don't think right, and the result is they don't speak right, and they create exactly what they're believing for. There's a fight to fight. I mean, am I reading Scripture here so far? Yeah, we're looking at what the Scripture says. We've got, we got to look at this. Many people are warring after the flesh. I mean... There are things that defy and contradict the word and we must be aware of those thoughts when they come or we'll be devoured. We must withstand. We must resist. We're in a fight. We are in a fight. Even, even the nation is messed up. Do you know why? Because of the thoughts that people are thinking. And somewhere along the way, someone must be speaking truth out loud in the heavenlies in the natural the truth must be what's spoken 
But we don't, oh, we don't hurt anybody's feelings. We got to hurt somebody's feelings somewhere along the way. I mean, it hurts my feelings sometimes when I have to tell the truth. But we must, we must learn how to fight. See, we're not talking about spiritual warfare. In the spirit is not doing nothing. It's, it's, it's taking the fight to the enemy. I mean, we're talking about hitting something besides the air. And I realize that it's not very glamorous to think about it this way. But this, this is the way it happens. I mean, this, the, the, the book that John was talking about earlier, it's talking about taking the minds of children and indoctrinating them with thoughts so that words and actions will follow. And it's been happening for 100 years. We've got to reverse that whole thing. So what we must learn how to do is fight for the truth. And it's a fight in your own mind to fight for the truth, isn't it? Because of all the thoughts that come to you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren. He wrote this whole book and he says, Finally, my brethren. In conclusion. I like conclusions when I preach. It's my favorite part of the message. Sometimes I have to put two or three in there just because I like it so much. <laughs> Finally, my brethren. Be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What is the purpose of the armor? To stand against what? The wiles. The wiles. We're, we're strong in His might. We put on the whole armor of God. Why? To stand against the power of the devil. To stand against the power of the devil is fighting the air. Ooh, that was a strong statement, huh? Jesus already stripped him of his power. But he's still a liar. We have to stand against the wiles. We don't want to beat the air. Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. He stripped them. He brought them to naught. We stand against the lies, against the wiles. The, Jesus defeated him, and yet he's still running the planet, isn't he? Well, not everybody, not you and me. But he's still running the planet because he's the God of this world. The scripture says that this evil is getting worse and worse because he is seducing people. The wiles of the devil. Christians don't even know how to stand against the wiles of the devil. They've been believing for so long that they're no good. Believing so long, they have no voice. Believing so long, they can't do anything. The truth is, we have the power of God on our side. And he, didn't, he can say by many or few, the victory is not automatic. We must fight. The devil's coming to you, and he's going to feed you a line that, you, that, that he believes you will take. You've got to resist him. You've got to stand against him. It's, it's the, we got to take on the whole armor of God. It's not natural armor. It's spiritual armor. Even though the apostle describes it in a physical way so people can understand it, it is spiritual armor. I mean, it, it, we've got to stand, the Bible says. We've got to withstand. We've got to resist. We, we stand against the tricks, the subtlety, the lies of the devil. That's what the fight is. Though Amplified calls it the full armor of God to stand against the wiles. He goes about seeking whom he may slurp up, who he may deceive. It's all about finding somebody he can trick and deceive, and he is good at it. 
See, that's what we to be watching for. Watching for lies. Watching for deceptions. And hear me, they're coming. We must be aware and use the sword of our mouths to fight him. When the thought comes, you've got to say something out loud to, 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 to withstand it. Here's what the Bible says. Revelation 12, 9, And that great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. That's what he does. He deceives. It goes on, He was cast out of the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Chapter 20 says, And when the thousand years are expired, he got put in prison. We talked about this last year, last week. For a thousand years, Satan shall be loose out of his prison. He shall go and deceive the nations. He, that's, that's all he knows how to do is deceive. That's all he can do. We're not to fight against the power of the devil. He devours, he controls by deception, and that is the conflict. The word to deceive means to cause to go astray, to cause to roam, to get off. What's he trying to do get you, get you off of? The truth. The truth. He wants to get you off the truth onto maybe a half-truth. So he then gets you off of all truth. And you begin to believe the lie. I mean, it, it is coming to us and it's already come to us, hasn't it? Think of the lies that you believed. Think of that. Remember that time that the devil said to you, you'll, you'll never get out of this. You'll, but you did, didn't you? It was a lie. His favorite one to tell people after you get born again is, you're not really saved. And if you start believing that lie, or I'm, I'm just, I'm not good enough to get saved. I'm not good enough for God to love me. Really? That's, he tells people, and people believe that kind of stuff. But it's coming, and, and he, he, he's coming with them, and we need to know the truth. He wants to get you off the truth that you should know and be fully persuaded of so that he cannot get you off of it. Man, he, he doesn't want you to know what he's trying to do. I mean, you go back to Adam and Eve. He attacked them with lies. He did not manifest himself as some demonic power that 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 you know could was breathing fire and and threatening them with their life no no he came to them as a little friend i mean he wasn't a hollywood devil he is the devil if they would have stayed on the truth the enemy says that the, the bible says he the enemy was subtle the scripture tells us eve was deceived we can't get cocky here. Peter was deceived. He thought he would never get off the truth. But he did. He denied the Lord. Again, it's not a Hollywood devil. I mean, and, and the devil's done a great job of that one because he makes you think that's the devil and you need to be afraid of him. You don't have to be afraid of him, but you've got to know that he comes to you with specially designed lies and feelings and thoughts that are crafted just for you in hopes you don't notice they came from him. Why? He wants to get you off the truth and to get you to wonder about something else that might be true rather than staying on the Word of God. And if you listen to Him and begin to argue with Him or even try to outsmart Him, you're in trouble. You must be on the watch, put on the full, full armor of God, and you've got to take the Word and slice Him up every time. Then you're hitting something. Matthew 12, 24, 4, Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no man deceive you. That's what the devil wants to do. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. 
neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor effeminate nor abusers of themselves of mankind. Paul, here, Paul is saying, listen, listen, they may call this an alternative lifestyle. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by it. I mean, that, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. 2 Timothy 3.13, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Deception is the problem. Thinking the wrong thoughts is the problem. Letting the devil lie to you and continue to lie to you and you say nothing is the problem. We must be watching for this deception. If you think you can't be deceived, you're already halfway there. I mean, we've got to be aware of it. Don't, we can't be in fear, but we cannot think wrong. We cannot talk wrong. We've got to take, make every thought captive. Well, let me give you another passage. Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness and high, wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. The wiles are the schemes of the devil, the things he's wanting to do. That's what the armor is about. The evil day is the day the devil is trying to seduce you with his lies. Okay, we must fight. We must not be in fear. We must fight. This is the first piece of truth, first piece of armor. The first piece of that armor is truth because everything's attached to the belt. The belt, the truth holds it all together. All right, we have to recognize it. We're going to talk about that more as we, as we go on. Okay, let me read you another passage of Scripture here. 2 Corinthians chapter two, 4, verse 2. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. In other words, he's talking about that we are not trying to deceive people. Deception is from the devil. He says, but if our gospel be healed, hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The, the truth is the light. The lies are the darkness. The truth is light. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Truth is light. That's what we're fighting for. We're fighting for light. It's a fight for light. The lies are darkness, and deception is darkness. That's what we're standing against. We speak truth. We stand in truth. We're not going to handle the word deceitfully. I mean, people are lost because the God of this world has blinded their minds. Their minds are dark. There's no light. The scripture calls the light of the gospel truth. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. Those that follow him will not walk in darkness, he said. From this we can see that the whole world lies in darkness. We can look around the world today and we find that, that people are lying in a stupor of darkness and they're being devoured by the enemy because they have not taken a spiritual fight. Christian people are being devoured because they allow the thoughts to continue in their hearts, in their minds. I mean, these people who, who, who've been lied to, they believe there's no God. 
There's nothing to be saved from. There's no heaven or hell. Can I tell you something? They're the ones living in the fantasy world. Yeah. That's a fantasy. That's a lie. I mean, there are millions, billions living like that. Living like this is all there is. And they're being slurped up in the fantasy of darkness. When light comes and the darkness is removed, there's freedom. The scripture says, For you are sometimes darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all good, goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it's a shame to even speak of those things which are done in secret. But all things are reproved, are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake them, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. We were darkness, now we are light. We are to walk as the fruit of the light. We are light. We mustn't be enamored by those people living in the fantasy. We mustn't, we, when the light comes, people can see and things we made manifest. Christ will give us light. We are spiritual warriors. We're building an installation right here, right now, being armed with truth. There are millions of us all over this nation. We can't think, oh, there's just us. No, no, there are millions of us. And we're rising up. The enemy is suffering losses as the light delivers people from darkness. We're fighting for the light. We're standing for the light. We believe what the truth is and we speak it. We speak it in the spirit realm to those, to those forces that, that are, with, that are trying, to, trying to cancel our God. We speak it to God. We speak it to those that we know not disrespectfully, but we speak it to them. And we make sure that we walk as people of the light. Let's pray. Father, tonight we thank you for the light. We thank you for the light of the gospel. We thank you for the light of your word. We thank you, Lord, that we are children of the light. We give you praise tonight. We give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen.